Good evening, I'm Ted Koppel. Surely everyone knows by now that Buckwheat is dead. But for those of you who have not seen the videotape of Buckwheat being shot, let's take a look. You think you're tough, reading beans every day? There's half a million scarecrows in Denver would give anything for one mouthful of what you got. They've been under siege for about three months. They live on rats and sawdust bread and sometimes on each other. At night, the pipes for the dead light up the sky. It's medieval. All that hate's gonna burn you up, kid. Keeps me warm. Look, honey, if you're gonna cry, it just fucks it all up. It lowers the whole tone. I mean, this ain't just dog shit we're doing here. These are two men you love landed on the line. Ty Webb. Heavy Longmire. Gustav Mateblanc. Is GLK London transmitting on the short wave band on 10.4 meters at a frequency of 250 megacycles per second? This is GLK London transmitting on the short wave band on 10.4 meters at a frequency of 250 megacycles per second. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Come on then, Plato, enlighten me. I've got some interrogatives on that matter. Well, let them fly. We're going. I haven't listened to it yet, but how was Mexican Brad? Mexican Brad did us a great favor yes, by he supplying did. us with two weeks worth of episodes. Thank you, Brad. And we are eternally grateful for Professor Brad for helping us out. Did you have to pay him? Uh, what did I take him? Anything? I don't think I even took him anything. Wampum. I I did buy his book originally. And I think he has like family members that haven't even bought it. So he signed it for you. You know what? I forgot to do that. I should have next time because I'll definitely record with Brad again. I don't know that he'll record with us. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, he's he's big time and he's always on the go. Yeah, know? he he bragged that he's going to be on a future IJB soon. Whoa. Which that's rarefied company of. Yeah, that's that's select duck. few. That's Johnny Fever level there. That is, uh, you either got to be Barbecue or Josh Campbell to be a guest on there. It's very, very few and far between. That's true. We're we're trying to come up a little, but we hadn't made it there not, yet. Not quite there. Speaking of Josh Campbell, listener of the show, overall good dude. Seamless segue. I felt a little bad the other night. So I met him up at IJB and was sitting there with him talking and... A few weeks ago, I'd been at the local Walmart in the 903 area code. Always an adventure. Where I am often seeing counterparts also wearing overalls. And how many kids had shoes on? That's that's another thing. But I am heading towards the kids of the 903 Walmart. Okay. And I spot a little shit running around with a mohawk. Oh, yeah. And that got me to thinking. And not ironically. No, not no. ironically at all. No. They got me to thinking, have I ever met a kid with a mohawk that wasn't a little shit? No, because you're either going to get the non-ironic, white, trashy, 903-type mohawk, or you're going to get the uptown, doucher, ironic mohawk. Either way, you're, you're dealing with problems. Now, this is where Josh Campbell comes in, as you've just called him a douche. Josh 
to me has a great head of hair. It's usually curly and it's just kind of a you know a, a mop top thing. Did you just lead me into look. a bear trap. I did lead you into a bear trap because I'm I, sure Josh's mohawk is not douchey and awesome. And so Josh, I just want to put that on the record. When I saw him a couple of weeks ago, had a mohawk, and I told him I said, "Look, I got to go with this. This is going to be a topic coming up, but it's no means aimed at you." I mean, if you're going to sport a mohawk, you got to know that there's repercussions, right? And and it looked fine on him, you know. And I I, I don't think Josh is a douche like you do, but <laughs> <laughs> the pylon begins. But the douchey kid with, I mean, the I'm not even a douche, just the little shits with a mohawk. And this kid was a shit, and well, it just he's running around just being general hood rat in the in the 903 Walmart. What's a bigger red flag? Or this may be just the progression to where you don't see this much anymore. But what's a bigger red flag, the mohawk or the rat tail? Uh, I think the rat tail probably is <laughs> is a bigger red flag. The rat tail, you pretty much know what you're getting with well, that. Well, rat tail's commitment. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know? And, I mean, I feel like nine times out of ten when it may not be the case with the mohawk, although it usually is, but not as much so as with the rat tail, nine times out of ten, that's parent driven. Yes. There's there is the the Mohawk itself is transient in nature. Right. Whereas the rat tail is commitment and then also long term buy in, if not encouragement, by the parent. Yes. Yes. And you know, the rat tail, even when we were kids, was a much bigger player, but it was still on the thug side. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was still rare, but it was much more common than now. And I need to clarify something. So when we were kids, growing up where we did, thug meant white trash. Right. It had no urban connotation to it mm-hmm. at all. It was purely, these are the white trash kids. Right. So I, I feel that, I feel a little cultural appropriation pang in my heart whenever I hear thug used as some type of uh dog whistle, anti, you know. Right. Trigger word. Trigger word. Yeah, because... For us, thug meant you were smoking by 12. It, by 10. Yeah. Non-filter. Well, smoking by 10, non-filter by 12. Right. Rolling your own by 14. And your dad probably worked with us in the summer. Yes. If he wasn't currently incarcerated. <laughs> right. Yeah. On his his uh, his work release program had a... We did work with people on work release that would walk from yes, we did. the jail to the... To the barn yes. to, to start the day. That's right. We were we were boys among men. We really were. And I I think it made us better. Because if anything, it showed us we gotta fucking stay in school. It it was encouraging. Not sure. that there was ever any, you know, like, oh, we're gonna drop out or anything, but it was certainly this is what one chosen path leads you down. Yeah. And I I mean, I felt like even though they didn't do it overtly, in their mind it was sort of flipped to where you know, we were the losers because we didn't have the shirts with our names on them. Yeah, yeah. So we weren't really, we were still in the minor leagues. You know, we hadn't made it up to well, there's no full doubt staff level. The guy with the Pegasus tattoo with the extra dong hanging down, <laughs> who was a Classy. full-timer at the oh, time. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's no doubt that he felt that he was better than us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he may have been making 50 cents more an hour or something. But yeah, he he had an aura of superiority for sure. Well, the aura of superiority is on us now because we're Can You Hear Me? The podcast used to be three guys. We're still just two. We still don't have heavy. So if you, if you 
dialed in to listen to the one and only Heavy Longmire. I'm sorry. He's still unaccounted for. He's at some karaoke bar right now, I'm sure. He might be digging a pit on Oak Island. True. He might be making plaster cast of Bigfoot prints in the Pacific Northwest. We really don't know. He might be fashioning a trap somewhere in the along the Oregon Trail. I mean, it's the possibilities are endless. I, I, you know, I know that I'm partial to him, but he could have definitely made his way as a 19th century man. Oh, there's no doubt that if he would have been born a hundred years earlier, at some point in time, he would have come to be known as Cookie. <laughs> How prevalent was the Cookie in 19th century America? When does the Cookie become a thing? I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, that's a Brad type question. That is a Brad type like. question. A, to get an act, we need a we need an accurate historical account. We need a cookie timeline. So to that point, and I've lived my forty two years being the king of well actually, <laughs> but with Brad, I get well actually a lot. Oh, he calls you out. Well, he doesn't do it in full heavy duty, but I sense it. You know, it's like my spider sense goes off. It's like a passive will, actually. Yeah, and I'm like, he's one of the few that that will, uh, can give me a taste of my own medicine. Well, I am Gustav Monteblanc. I am Ty Webb. And you can find us on Twitter at Real Gustav. I am at Ty Webb 3000 and Longmire Heavy. And if you, uh, you want to reach out to the de- dear departed ghost of Heavy Longmire, you can do that there. You can always tweet us at Can You Hear Me Pod. And then if you want to send us an email, it's Can You Hear Me Pod at gmail.com and follow us on Instagram and wherever else. So that's what I wanted to get out of the way. But, you know, Brad did us a great help. You weren't able, you were busy with work and we were running low on episodes. So he pitched in and gave us, I was expecting one hour. He gave us two. And that's nice. a lo- that's a long time for Brad. Well, he couldn't, I mean, he couldn't leave. Well, he could have. Well, I mean, yeah, He could have like opened the sliding door and jumped off the balcony and ran. That's true. But you, you had a better chance of getting longer Brad with it being on his territory. Yes. And his territory, you know, it was a, a very well-furnished apartment. Did he make you take your shoes off? No, he didn't. He was not like the general's mom. <laughs> <laughs> White carpets, take your shoes off at the back door. Don't Man. come in. I think I think maybe one time we wore our shoes in there once. Yeah, she was a stickler. I, I wish I could have, you know... I think I talked about the general doing a torpedo where he stood on the toilet and dropped a deuce when he was about five. I don't think I remember you that. that. I had a friend that babysat him. Oh, boy. And she went, she was quite a bit older than us, and she heard him making a ruckus, or maybe he called her in, and she went in, and he's standing there, feet on the toilet seat, uh, straddling it, and he dropped a deuce from above and called it dropping a torpedo. And if if the general's mom could have seen that, she oh, would have probably man. gone into a conniption fit. That have sold the house. Now, the general's friend reminded me that he's seen that at a much older age, that he was still carrying on such hygiene. I'm sure. And, you know, I, I'm not, I'm a fairly open person, but I want the door closed when I'm taking oh. a dump. I, there's... There are a few things that are more unacceptable to me than this whole open door policy situation. Now, that should be off 
the table. Now, if you want to go... Preferably, if, you just have your own separate bathroom. That'd be ideal. We don't even need to be sharing a bathroom. Yeah, that'd be ideal. Now, if the door is open for, for the tinkle, I don't want to see that, but I'm not going to... It's not the, a deal breaker. I mean, it's a misdemeanor, but, but the, it's still a crime. But the number two... No, I, I that if you if your relationship, especially in marriage, if it's crossed that pathway, you may need to rethink some things. You remember how Grego used to say that he would even when he was alone at his house, he would go in and lock the door. Yes, <laughs> I'm not that level. That's commitment. That that's a level. And if you remember the first episode of Below the Belt, one of the hosts there talked about how he would turn the shower on. Oh yeah. To, to mask that, that as if that'll that's... That'll backfire on you. Yeah, I mean, that's just heating things up, oh, making it man. more humid. Science is against you there. Maybe he was trolling himself in that situation. He is the king of the troll. Well, mentioning that torpedo story, that's a good babysitter story, but I think we can both agree that I have the best babysitter story. You have the story. best babysitter story. And if you... Did I tell that one time and we bleeped it out or we was that just off air? No, it, we bleeped it out. And if you want to hear that... Find us at our next public appearance, and I'll tell you Ty's babysitter story. I'm pretty sure we bleeped it out. Or you can send us a check for a dollar, and we'll give it to you on the premium content option. Yeah. Speaking of next public appearance. Yeah. We have a listener that All has... All right. Yes. We have a listener that has contacted me, and almost we're working in, in, in unison here. Potential sponsor? Well, sort of. All right. And I'll this, sit in a dunk tank, whatever. This user has taken up art in his adulthood. Okay. And is this President Bush? No. Okay. No. No. But this. Oh, you, I do have a. Uh, you have remind a me, I have okay. a President Bush story. So this listener has offered up because he makes art and it's of a quality that may not be gallery quality. Yeah. But it is amusing to me anyway, and he has offered up to share his art with our other listeners. So we might be doing some giveaways. All right. And I've brought an example in this giant trash bag here of his most recent piece. Well, let's take a look. Right now, it just looks like a giant hefty bag. Is this going to be erotic? No. Okay. Wow. That is nice. Is that not great? Well, bye. It is a giant, (laughs) almost cartoonish it's curly painting of curly bill from tombstone God, that is awesome is that not great i will buy that from him i will give this to you seriously seriously you didn't do this did you? i did not do this okay. this was done by one ernesto bloom that is fucking awesome it is fantastic in fact it may stay right there where you just hung it on my it wall it is great that is fantastic. So what I've been doing to to facilitate this project and his and we've been workshopping ideas because this is not me. I can't paint for shit. No, okay? I, I've always wished I could, but I cannot. And I don't think that he thought he could paint for shit either. But we started kicking around ideas because he had done one and shown it to me, and I was like, "Yeah, that's that's amusing. What if you did other characters? Yeah, and you know, characters from the youth of Can You Hear Me." So, oh, man, that would be... We need one of somebody with a carpenter pencil in their mouth. Well, so we were initially thinking of things like Three's Company, Chips, nice. things like that. And that's where he's headed. Okay. Also, maybe going to do some Wes Anderson characters. Give me a giant 
Norman Fell. Well, he's been looking for Norman <laughs> Fell pictures. Awesome. It has. It's, it's already there. But I'm just going to stare at that throughout the episode. It's great. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's mesmerizing. And I think this episode's going to be called Curly Bill. It's so good. It, it is. Did you take a picture of it for the I'm episode not yet. art? We'll, yeah. we'll do it before we uh, go. But I, I do think this episode's going to be Curly Bill. Have we? Uh, you've met him. Yes. But I haven't met him yet. Has he been to IJB or He's that kind not of been, stuff? No, he, this is a dark horse candidate here. Okay. And is this a 903-er? This is a 903-er. Okay. And I'm supplying him with thrift store canvases. Excellent. So I paid like a dollar for that giant canvas. <laughs> and I got him with several others. And he was like, I'm going to go big for this one as we start this real true project. And he sent me the text of that, and I thought, holy shit, that is awesome. That is awesome. What we're planning here... I'm going to take it down just so it doesn't accidentally rip that other painting no, out No, yeah, of the go wall. ahead. That was just for a moment, just for the power of it. You can... But yes, you can keep that, because it would just go in my barn right now with my Selena and my Tina Yothers-esque paintings. I still want it right there where I can look at it, though. Oh, it's so great. But what I, what I were thinking is that... Bye. Bye. Whenever we have a get together or even if I go to IGB or something, I could just take along one of his newest paintings and just Sounds spread good. that out. Spread the word, man. Because they are at least 903, or I should say, can you hear me? Themed? In the, in the, in the sphere. Okay. Now, we were talking, he would, if his quality was, and I think he might get there someday, but because he is a, a novice. But if his quality was good enough that he could actually paint like scenes from episodes, like the carpenter pencil. Oh, yeah. Or the melted fork or thing, you know, things like that were that would fit in. He is talking and it wouldn't be an accurate picture, but he is talking about doing heavy Longmire fighting a bear. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think that would probably be the top seller. Yeah, if that that one might be a, a a treasure that's actually like raffled off or something. God. But I figure even if and this canvas is exceedingly large and it's powerful. Yes. But if it's the smaller canvases that I'm also looking for him and that he could probably turn out faster, might even ship those, you know. Oh yeah. Yeah, you know, or it's not that big of a deal. This would cost too much to ship the right. size that is. But that way we can spread it out to our, you know, some of our listeners that are further out, if they want them. So we'll post this up. It'll be the uh, the cover art for this episode, and it'll be on the website. And as he makes more, I will definitely include them as we move. And, you know, if you want a copy of one of these, then just speak up and we'll get you set up. But I thought that was great. I thought it was great that he wants to share this. Oh, yeah. And like, like I said, I'm kind of helping him along so he's not, you know, spending a lot of money on canvases because... The great thing about stuff like painting with the twist and all those other yeah. wine and paint things is these women will go make these paintings, which are marginal at best, but they have a good time. Yeah. And then after a while, they're like, I'm never going to do anything with this. And then they give it to Goodwill. Well, I can buy them for like 50 cents or a buck, and then he can buy a buck 50 in paint, Yep. and everybody wins. We need him to do a Red River mosaic. He can't do uh, landscapes, he says. Okay. Well, he's, what he's got right there is a is plenty good. Yeah, plenty it's, good. It, it's a good. Uh, he says, "I just I draw cartoons of people." That's what he said. <laughs> well, that that looks good to me. Yeah that 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 holds up. Anyway, 
that was what my big reveal was for this episode. Excellent. So thank you, Ernesto Bloom, and we look forward to collaborating with you on further projects. Excellent job, Ernesto. Your painting will forever be hung in my home. Did we ever talk about the death of Powers Booth? I don't know. I know we mentioned that we needed to do a Powers Booth episode at some point. I think we've said that like every I know. few months. We've said that existence. about so many things, and I've forgotten what we've said we were going to do an episode on. Well, we've said we need to do a Robert Redford episode someday. Yeah, we were going to do top five films of Robert Redford, I think. Or some type of retrospective. But Powers Booth has been mentioned often, and he passed away, I guess, about a month ago or so. And for those unfamiliar, Powers Booth, in recent times, he was Curly Bill, the leader of the Cowboys on Tombstone, the movie, which if you haven't gone and listened to Megan's movie podcast where I guest uh, hosted on there and we talked about Tombstone, I, I encourage you to do so. That's a really great podcast that I'm glad you didn't ruin. I did my best not to ruin it. And I told her, look, if I take this thing over, you know, just flip me off or something. She didn't have to. I'm still waiting on her call, but, you know, for now, I'll just keep looking at Curly. Well, but he was also a bigger player, at least in my psyche, growing up, because he played two big roles that stuck with me throughout my life. So Red Dawn, he was the lieutenant colonel fighter pilot that gets shot down and basically molds them into a fighting force. Yep. And he has the great line of uh, all that hate's going to burn you up at night or burn you up and... See Thomas Howell says it keeps me warm at night. He was the original Miyagi. Yes, way better. And then before that, when I was much younger, he played Jim Jones in the Guyana tragedy. That's the one that will always be burned in my mind. I mean, as much as as many good things as he did after that. I mean, he was great in Deadwood. Yes. He was, I mean, he was great in Frailty. He was great in everything. Everything he ever did. But nothing was ever going to surpass that Jim Jones for me. I, and part of it was probably our age yes. when we saw it, but like he was Jim Jones to right. me. So let's, and I want to talk about uh, Jonestown just a little bit. So let's reset what that was. So in the seventies, Jim Jones had, Can I get a beer while you're oh, resetting? Yeah, certainly. Jim Jones had created this very charismatic denomination where he basically created a cult it didn't start out that way, but it certainly built up that way. And he wanted more freedom, so he left San Francisco because he was starting to get a lot more pressure and scrutiny. And they headed down to Guyana in South America and basically built a compound. And again, there's people claiming nice people claiming that they are they're. Families are being brainwashed and cut off from them. So there were some fact-finding tours going on with a congressman that had gone down there. And in the middle of all that, Jones's paranoia pushed him over the edge. And he had basically the entire sect commit suicide via strychnine Kool-Aid. And he had his kids and adults. Kids and adults they they injected some people that wouldn't take the strychnine. Was about wasn't it about like seven or eight hundred. Yeah, it was People? it was almost a thousand, I yeah, think. It was a big group. And they murdered the congressman and his staff and the mm-hmm. journalists that had come down to look around. And the the aerial shot of the Jonestown compound oh. with all these people in these brightly colored clothes just laid down dead around this pavilion where they had administered the Kool-Aid and Jones that, that burned in my mind. Oh, it's stuck in there and it'll be there till the day I die. So that was 
incredibly powerful. And I don't remember how long it was between that happened and they made the the movie. It was a TV movie. Yeah, and it it it, it seems like it was pretty close it to was the time really it happened. Quick, it, like within a year or yeah, so. Yeah, it seemed like it was within a couple years for sure. Now that was back when we only had three networks yep. and the capital for doing something like that was there you know right. like, that was a big project and i'm sure it was a huge ratings uh hit but jim jones play was played by powers booth a young powers booth and he looked just like him and sounded like him he had the perfect amount of tan and sweat yes nailed it and the glasses i mean everything it it I went back and watched it all after Powers passed away. I want to revisit. Does it hold up? Yes. Man. And there's things that I didn't notice when I was a kid. Yeah. Like, they actually addressed Jones's bisexuality. Oh, really? In it. And this is like 79 or something, which a, I thought was, a bold holy statement. cow. And what's interesting- Like, to overtly me, or yes. just- Huh. I mean, not like heavily overtly, but it's there. And Brad Dorf- who played Doc in Deadwood and also played many other great roles. Yeah. But worked with him on Deadwood. He also did those golf videos. I know. That's a different dwarf. But Brad plays, not Professor Brad. Let's not get confused. <laughs> if he was in it, I would really, I would revisit tonight. Talk about, talk about sweaty. Brad Dorf plays Jones's, one of Jones's bisexual conquests. Okay. Which I thought I was, did not remember that at all. I didn't all. remember that at all. But yes. Now it's, I really want to check it out. But it's on YouTube. I went and watched it, and it held up. One, another thing that I want to go back and revisit is that PBS documentary on Jones. That, yes. And I haven't seen that in years, but that was one of those. I mean, you know I'm a huge documentary Absolutely. buff. And that was one of the first ones that, like, I mean, I just couldn't get over that thing. It was so, I mean, it was eerie. It was just captivating. I mean, and the Part of it was the age I saw that too, but right. it was so well done. And I've, I haven't seen it since, but I heard it holds up. I, I bet it does. The Jonestown story is, is fascinating to me. And there were some things that I had, I'd forgotten. And I know that the, the movie is not a hundred percent accurate. You know, they changed names and they, like any, uh, uh, fictional narrative, they consolidate some characters and things yeah. like that. But I, I, forgotten that Guyana was basically a communist country right where he had gone and like yeah I, I don't like these guys either as far as the Americans and but bribed the guy the government so they kind of turned a blind eye and facilitated it and enabled it his so. biography is so fascinating I mean he was your stereotypical shyster psychopath salesman right. you know kind of flair super charismatic Great communicator, you know. Uh, Anti-racist. Yeah. You know, yeah. that was his congregation was at times predominantly African-American. Well, and when they started out, you know, they were getting a lot of praise for a lot of the right. cultural awareness it, and things that they were doing to provide for people that were of lower means, you know, open to inclusion of all right. different types. I mean, they were... Social programs they were doing. They were even getting praise from the government. Yeah. You well, know, he, at the beginning. he got to be... I think on the housing board of San Francisco, he got appointed to that. I mean, he before I'm things turned south, he had really amped up his social footprint, and then the excesses, and you know, he was probably probably hopped up on pills, you yeah, know, uppers and downers, and oh, everything, yeah. and and certainly his he was very mercurial. 
Yes, and he he certainly had sexual appetites that fueled everything. He and again, we're going back to and you know, we had the David Koresh discussion a couple of weeks ago. When you have that type of group, the leader often is given the leeway to do as he pleases. Right. And Jones was a certain archetype of that. Well, when you have a, you know, it's not exclusive to Jones, but he's a great example of it, is, you know, there's something inside most people, if not all people, that kind of yearns to be led by someone. Right. And sort of to give over control and responsibility to them because it's very freeing. Um, I mean, I think some people would even extrapolate that to belief in God. You sure, know, I could see that. A way to surrender your responsibility and your agency and everything, but he was he was your prototypical charismatic leader that you know started out doing some really good things, but his you know he was he was destined to die by his own narcissism and grandiosity from the beginning. I mean, he you know he he couldn't stop you know at what was within the bounds. He was going to keep going and pushing it and pushing it. And he was being fed by all that admiration. Right. And that was just, you know, it was collapsing in on itself. It, it, the, he made a mark on me. And, you know, again, we were very young. We were three or four years old when that happened. But that was on the news. It was all over the news. Oh, and he was captivating. Yeah. I mean, you couldn't stop watching him. And then this movie comes along. And I think that. The movie probably more than the action. I mean, I definitely remember the cover of Time that had the aerial shot, and I remember seeing it on the news. Yeah. But the movie, I think, just etched that into my mind. For sure. And if it hadn't been for Powers Booth's uh, portrayal and his strength as an actor, it wouldn't have been the same. Now, there's one movie, and I know I saw it when I was a kid, Southern Comfort. Yes. And I haven't found a copy of that. I need to. I haven't looked to see if Amazon has it. I think that's one of those that you reminded me of that I'd forgot I'd even seen, and I could hardly remember anything about the it. National it, Guard, it a, and they're set in Louisiana. And, was it a TV movie? No, or was it was it a, a movie movie? It was a movie movie. Because I remember when you were mentioning some of the scenes, I was like, "Oh yeah, I've." Yeah. I mean, I don't remember anything about it, but I've seen seen it at some point. Well, we need to we need to find that and watch that, and then you know, Deadwood was great. Mrs. Gustav's been revisiting Deadwood, and a uh, funny, you know, hadn't been that long since that was first run and we watched it, I was thinking that Cy Tolliver, Powers' character, comes in pretty far into the series. Yeah. He's like second or third episode. And I was like, I don't remember that. Was it like, that yeah. soon? Yeah, it was really soon. I was thinking it was like season two or That's something. That's what I thought. But no, she was watching it. And I think it was like the third or fourth episode. And here comes Jenny the Whore. Yeah. And Cy riding in in their wagon to set up the Belladonna or whatever that saloon is with the great Ricky Jay, the oh, master yeah. of cards and magician history. Yes. But again, I worked whore in there as yeah, my recurring. I was about to make a reference to, but now it's going to sound like I'm defaming her, but I'm not. But that uh, Jenny that's on Twitter that. Oh, yeah. Steampunk. Yes. Yes. How was it? Her new profile pic is so cool, and I was going to ask you to recreate it. Have you seen it? Which one is it? I don't, it's the most recent one, but it looks super cool. And I was like, I need Gustav to do his just like this. I think everyone would enjoy it. Sorry, as Gustav looks it up on his phone. Yeah, we'll cut the silence out. Stop swiping through porn. What else is Tumblr for? Why? Do, why do I only have three G here? I don't what even know what that? Tumblr is. What is Tumblr? 
Tumblr is a mixture of porn and social justice warriors and people that like pictures of cool stuff. Okay. That's the, the strange combination that it is. Sounds interesting. It's How many hours a day are you on there? Define on. <laughs> Do you spend more time on there or 4chan? It depends what's going on. I like to keep an eye on 4chan if something in the world is happening. Do you what do you look at Tumblr in short very intense segments? I don't use Tumblr for that. No. Okay. Tumblr's more of a just a um penalty kill like you know how like we've talked I can't relax. So I found uh, no, Jenny's picture where she's got kind of the the red hair and she's holding the camera Isn't up. Isn't that wearing, cool? Wearing pearls. I don't think I'd look good in pearls. Maybe that's But ju- it, it is a good picture. This is not what she looked like the other day when I saw her. Maybe it's just pulling at my um, propensity for redheads. She she doesn't have red hair right now, I don't think. Although, I I like to pretend that she does. Yeah. Hey, I'm a fan of the redhead myself. So, hey, I just was talking to somebody on Twitter today about how my favorite SI model of all time was Angie Everhart. Yeah. No, that's a good one. That's a good one. You know, I, so I didn't read Sports Illustrated in general as a child because sports weren't real big at my house. Right. Well, I thought that the swimsuit might have been the only edition you ever looked at. Well, I certainly, if I was at somebody else's house, I would look at it. But you weren't a subscriber. I was not a subscriber, and I remember, like, I remember our friend, like, I think he lived for the sports issue, Sports there, Illustrated issue. There is no doubt. And that I was me- right up his alley. And I remember that was, you know, again, we didn't have the internet. Porn was something you found stuck behind a shed somewhere or in a bar ditch or some, you know, it was. You in- know what was awesome is that when I was, I had to be about, I think I was around, I'm trying to think of when we moved. I think it would have been around 1979, maybe 1980. We had a big garage sale because we were moving. and. My dad threw his stack of Playboys out there. Really? And let me tell you, those did not last long in the garage sale. Hell no, I bet they didn't. Because I mean, he was a subscriber, but these were older ones that he had. And man, there was no shame in people gathering those up for you know a dime a piece. Oh no, yeah, that that was one of those things. And back then, unless you subscribed. As far as I know, there was only one place in town that you could buy any skin (laughs) mag, and that was at a low rent. Boy, was it low station. Moment of silence for Barbie Benton. Although, I guess when we were real young, it wasn't as low rent because it was like a chain. Although I've never, I can't remember ever seeing another one. I mean, it, in the grand scheme of things, it was still pretty low rent, but it wasn't low rent for our neck of the woods. Right. But eventually it did become, but yeah, that was the only place within 30 miles that you could buy any type of nudity. Boy. So many times just wandering through there, looking at the candy aisle. <laughs> looking at a Zagnut. <laughs> yeah. Give me a cherry mash and just counting out your pennies so you could stand there longer. And then eventually, you know, you got the, the back room. Yes. We had the video store with the, the video back store. room. Yes. Classic. They still even, they even still had those when I was in college. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They had the whole separate room. Right. I'm trying to remember, was it? Was it 18 or 21 you had to be to go back there? I think it was 18. I think so, because I think in college, like, it was a big deal that you could just stroll right back there and not have to worry about anybody saying anything. But it was also so creepy. Well, and at college, you 
you were freed of the fact that if you did that in our hometown... Oh, my gosh. First off, you know the person working there in some way, shape, or form. We had both... I'm sure both you and I, this was how small the town was. We had the only vehicle like ours in the entire town. So, like, if my vehicle was parked at somewhere, which this did get me into trouble on multiple times, anybody that drove past there knew that I was there. Right. I mean, there, you know, there was only one truck model, this color, this, you know, everything just like that. They know that that's Ty's truck. Yes. That boy, that created some problems. Yeah. And it didn't help that you were known as a quite the lover. Did I tell you about the time I ran from the police? Uh, maybe. I was, I think, well, maybe I have told this story because I told, did I tell the story about sucking on the pennies? No. Okay, which one do you want to hear? I want to hear both. Okay. Now? Well, I mean, we... They're short. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so which one do you want first? Which is... Do they build on one another or are they separate incidents? They're both stories about me fearing for my life from the police. Am I going to have to cut these out? I don't think so. Okay. Um. <clears throat> so the first one... We'll do the pennies first. The first one I was... I'd been out to... Actually, both of these involved... No, they don't. They both involved me coming back into town from the same part of town, but the first one I'd been to a party at the lake. Okay. And I was coming back into town to meet some friends that were having a party over at, we just bleep it. Yeah. At. Yes. And so I was almost to his house and there was a big, you know, there was parties there all the time. Which always kind of struck me as funny considering its central location. Yeah, and man, that place always weirded me out because it was an old, you know, it was a super old home that was two-story, and it was like he had the whole top floor to himself, almost like his own house, to where you could literally do anything right, and not have to worry about getting in trouble, or I guess his mom didn't care or what, I don't know, but yeah, I mean, you could go up there all hours of the night, Anytime you want, make as much noise as you want. Like, I didn't even know she lived downstairs for a couple years. Right. But I was going to, we were having a little soiree there after the lake party, and I was fully lit. Right. And it was about two o'clock in the morning, and I start coming into town. And at that time, there's not a lot of traffic in that town. I had not. In fact, the time that I got back into the city limits until the time that I was passing our old school which meant I was almost to right. his house. I had not seen a single car. I mean, it was 2 o'clock in the morning. You the just lights done. are all turned turn to flashing. That's right. Every, every light's flashing, and there's nobody out, except occasionally the random officer. Yes. I mean, I should not have been driving, you know, but I was a teenager and young and dumb and everything, and I pass an op- a good officer to which... I, you know, as we all did back then, I immediately jerked my head up to the rearview mirror and just stare intently to see if there's going to be any movement on his part, anything resembling a U-turn. Right. And he gets about a half mile down the road, and I Whoop. see the U-turn. I mean, did anything give you a panic attack back in the day? Well, not for you, because you were never inebriated. No, but it's still, you know, I got pulled over at times for being out. Right. Like, and it's still, even if there's nothing wrong, you're going to oh shit mode. Man, I, I was in full. Well, imagine if you're in that situation and you know you're intoxicated. Right. No, you're, and you're a teenager. Yeah, the like deck the, is stacked against you. Yeah. I mean, all I can see is a bubble over my head with my dad, you know, just put me in a headlock 
And so he pulls a U-turn. And I had heard, I'd either heard from some very non-scientific friends of mine, or I think it was just a rumor I'd heard. I don't think I'd read about it. But you know how it is when you get, you know, right? you get some really bad information from your friends back then, that if you suck on a penny, you can pass a breathalyzer. Okay. And so having that knowledge and not being in the best state of mind, I figured, well, you know, if one penny's good... Handfuls got to be better. I reached into my ashtray and grabbed a handful of coins, some of which were pennies, and threw them in my mouth. And I mean, I went to work on these like a $2 hooker at best, $2. I mean, I was going to town on these bad boys. <laughs> and I am, my heart rate is skyrocketed. I, I mean, I can feel the lead it, soaking <laughs> into my gums. And, you know, the the faint aroma of copper is in right. the air. The officer speeds up, turns on his lights. I'm sucking harder at this point, And don't pull that. And too late. He zips around me and goes on. Oh. I pull over. At that point, I'm almost to my buddy's house. Right. I pull over. I'm literally shaking. I spit the coins out. Put them back in the ashtray. Yeah, keep it neat. Yeah, I mean, I you know I was going to use those to buy rolling down letters. Right. And it took about three days for that taste to get out of my mouth. I can only imagine. That was the worst. I mean, that metallic, just sour. It. I mean, I could not get it. I mean, I brushed my teeth. I. This was pre tongue scrape days, but right. mouthwash. Hydrogen peroxide. I mean, anything you could think of. And it, oh, I mean, I tasted that every now and then I can still catch a little taste of it. I bet. It's, it's funny how memories like that are, there's, there's certain little triggers in oh, our mind. If I smell copper, copper. just right, mm, it, it was such an idiotic move. Well, but I thought, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to get away with this. I'm about to, I'm about to pull a fast one on Barney back there. The, Whenever you have that where they're behind you and you think it's you and then they do the pull around and speed off, which I'd like to think that they're going to something else, but I think they're just fucking with you. Well, I'm telling you, it literally, if I would have been older, I think the only thing that kept me from having an actual heart attack was my age that I, you know, was right. young and fit and blood and alcohol level. Yeah. And that, uh, the other one I'll tell real quick, okay. it's, it's, it's probably not as, as cool as that one, but. I had been out to, you know, I used to date a young lady that lived in a town outside of right. our town. I you think were, I've told you. Were, you you that, were working outside uh, the city limits, yes. That's right. And I've told you the story about getting jumped out yes, there. and all. out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Well, I was coming back from her place, and it was late again. It was, it was after midnight. It was right. probably around 1 or 2. And it was a weekend. I think it was a Saturday. And I was coming back home, and I was coming in on the highway. I'd just gotten into the city limits. I was going way too fast. And I mean, you know, I was probably 20 miles over the speed limit right there where the speed limit slows down right. before you come into town. And I wasn't paying attention. I hadn't seen any cars and I passed a cop and I was going fast and he was already going pretty fast. And he went past me what seemed like about a mile. And then he turned the lights on and pulled the U-turn. So I knew he right. was after me. So I just kept, I, so then I had like a split second, you know, like, what are you going to do? And I just nailed it to the floor 
and kept going straight into town. And then I took that side road right back into that neighborhood to where our um, investment banker friend mm-hmm. lived. And you remember he had that house to where he had that driveway that kind of half horseshoe right, back behind his house. Yeah. And I, I knew if there was any place I could go that people wouldn't care that I pulled in there at two o'clock in the morning. It was right. his house. And so, I mean, I just flew about 90 through that neighborhood into his driveway, pulled all the way back behind and his... that's a tight street and some tight corners. It was extremely stupid. And I just pulled back there, shut the lights off, everything down, right. and then just sat there. And can you... I mean, my heart was... It was moving my shirt. Right. It was pounding so hard. And I see the officer fly by. He drives through the neighborhood. He drives by his house and keeps going. And I sat there, as you can imagine, for about another 45 right. minutes. Oh, yeah. My buddy never even came out. You know no. the way his place was. Oh, yeah. like. I mean, I swear they never knew anything that was going on around his no. house. And it's almost like they expected people to just show up at 1 o'clock and not you know, knock well, on the door. I think that was kind of how things went. I probably could have gone in. Yeah, you could nobody have just gone have in and just been... But I sat there. He drove by, and then I sat there. And then, you know, I lived not far yeah, not from far, there. not far, but still, you didn't want to wait. You didn't want to risk that they'd be sitting there waiting to... Man, as scary as it was running from them, that one mile or so drive from there to my house, I was just like, I'm putting myself back out there in the open. Because what else was the cop going to have to do at 2 in the yeah, morning? I think He'd I would... sit out there. I think I would have walked it. Man, I was scared to death no for i mean not that it was a short distance but no further than it was i would have walked it i also had a time uh, speaking of that guy's house to where i was supposed to be at home uh doing some chores around the house and because i'd gotten grounded i'd gotten in trouble for something i wasn't supposed to leave for the weekend and my parents had gone somewhere and then my mom had come back early and she had discovered that i wasn't there right and somehow, you know, like moms do, she made a hundred phone calls or whatever, and she figured out where you were because I'd gone over to this same guy's house, parked my vehicle there, and then me and him and some other people had gone out of town to where, you remember, you had to go out of town to go to the movies and that kind of thing. Well, we were out of town. She, and I, I guess there was an extra key of mine at the house. She went over there, got my vehicle and took it away. That's a bold move. And when and I get back over to his house, and I'm like, somebody fucking stole my truck. Like, because my, I mean, I didn't even cross my mind, because right. they're out of town, as right. far as I know. And I'm like, it's scared. And so then, but then, when I was like, man, I finally made my way back to my house, and mm-hmm. I saw my vehicle sitting in the driveway. The oh shit. Boy, I mean, I walked in there like a shelter dog. Yeah, you were fucked. Oh, it was, it was, it was bad. Yeah. We got uh, a... An email here from uh, Curly Bill, uh, fake Bailey J. She's just giving us some uh, encouragement in our time of without the heavy. Are they on the same team? Why can't we get her to guest host? I've been trying to. I, I have tried and tried and tried, and she has certain qualifications for us to record with her. Like it has to be. I'm a, perfectly willing to go shirtless if she is on a Saturday afternoon. Okay, like. Early, like Whoa. noon. Okay. I think she's that's intentionally trying to... I think so, too. But I'm still working on it. because I, I haven't even met her. I know you haven't. I and, need to. And there are stories... That we need to get close. I've held FBJ. out telling because I want her there because she's an integral part of them that I think 
the listeners would enjoy. And L- she's enjoyable anyway. I mean, I love her. Listen to me right now, FBJ. If we get together, I promise you that you and I will do nothing but dogpile Gustav. Oh, I fully encourage that and expect it. So that alone should be sufficient for you to be willing to do it. Oh, we she, will We will jump on him. The nut kicking will never stop. We'll super fly snook of his nuts the entire episode. So she titles it Minus Heavy. Ooh. Good job, you two. I laughed a lot with the last episode. Is this us or you and Brad? No, me and you. Okay. This is a couple of weeks ago. Well, thank you. So anyway, I've been working on her, but she says, no, I can't do late at night. And she just... Generally, she's shy to begin with. I mean, well, I understand that, but come on into the nest. Just, it's okay. Just Trust tree. Settle in. She's my favorite lesbian. You sit in my lap the entire time. The entire time. Nothing will move. Well, maybe. All right. Well, if you have stories of running from the law or maybe things that you were told to try and prevent pass or to enable you to pass a breathalyzer email those to us at can you hear me pod at gmail.com please keep an eye out for cougars both the milf variety or the panther type sasquatches or the one and only heavy longmire and if you have a heavy longmire spotting please let us know if you see one of those you're likely to see the other probably and if you are interested in the artwork of ernesto bloom please let us know that too and we'll try to work something out So I guess uh, we'll talk to you later. Adios. Bye. Man, is that already an episode? We used to sing, this world, this world, it's not our home. Well, it sure isn't. We're going to set an example for others. A thousand people who said, we don't like the way the world is. Take our life from us. We laid it down. We got tired. We didn't commit suicide. We commit a revolutionary act of suicide protesting the conditions of an inhumane world. I want you to know it's over. Well. Bye. And world-class championship wrestling. I'm Bill Mercer with Jay Saldy. Good night from Dallas, Texas. <laughs>